Hey, this is Dan Wunderlich, and welcome back to Art of the Sermon, a show for preachers, teachers, and communicators. For those of you listening along in real time, we are now on the backside of a break that I was taking from making the show. As I told you a little bit before we went on break, I've got uh, three major transitions all going on in my life at the same time. Uh, My wife and I had a beautiful, healthy, and happy uh, baby girl earlier this spring, and by the time you hear this, she'll be six months old, which is just crazy, but she is wonderful. We love her so much. We've also moved from Georgia back to Florida. We're full-time Florida residents again, and I am back in full-time local church ministry. For the last three years, I've been uh, an extension minister in the United Methodist Church, serving lots of organizations and leaders, and I am back in a local community, which means I'm also back to preaching regularly, which will certainly inform this show moving forward. And uh, I'm still just trying to figure out what life looks like, but I know that you are too. And so uh, it's time to end the break and just get back going with the show. Uh, it's It's been a, a wonderful break. It's it's certainly nice to take a bit of a Sabbath and to clear your mind and to reflect on things, uh, but I miss you all. I miss making the show. Uh, hopefully you miss the show while it's gone, uh, but we're back. And so today we're going to be talking about a concept I heard on the Launch Podcast. This was a podcast done by John August, who is a screenwriter and now a new author. And he took a break from screenwriting to write a new children children's book, uh, really a trilogy, and he documented writing the first book in the form of a podcast called The Launch Podcast, talking about what it was like to write the book, to sell the book, and then to get it published. He did everything from the genesis of the idea to actually visiting the printing press where his book was being printed. And then as a bonus episode, he and the producer uh, recorded a live conversation they had at an event where they talked about making the podcast. And the producer for this short-run podcast is is now a podcast producer. He had worked with uh, The Marketplace Show. He's worked in public radio for a long time, and now he does short-run podcasts as a producer, helping creatives uh, bring their podcast ideas to life. And one of the questions that someone in the audience asked both John and the producer were, how do you uh, take a, a six-episode podcast like this, and, and how do you pace and structure each individual episode, and how do you pace and structure the whole podcast from beginning to end? end. And this is something that we do all the time in our sermons. We have to pace and structure individual sermons. We might also be the kind of folks that preach in sermon series. And so we can look at it as a whole arc. And the producer shared that he tries to keep in mind three arcs when he is structuring and and creating and editing shows, the narrative arc, the emotional arc, and the rhythmic arc. And I found that to be really, really interesting. And it's one of those things that you're probably doing. It was certainly something that I feel like I was doing, but he put it into words in a way that had never occurred to me before, right? I'd never really consciously thought about it. And so I've jotted down some notes about how we can keep in mind the narrative arc, the emotional arc, and the rhythmic arc, how we can apply those to sermons and then ultimately to sermon series. And I thought that this would be a great way to come back and re-engage with the show. The first of the three arcs is the narrative arc, and this is the one that's probably the easiest for us to talk about and think about. It's probably the one that we're already giving the most amount of time to, even if we're not consciously aware of it, because it really is the guiding structure of our sermon. Where is the sermon going? Where do we start? Where do we head? And where do we end up? And and there are three basic areas that we can mine for a narrative arc within our sermons, and the first might be the passage itself. Maybe 
you found a narrative passage in the Gospels or one of the narratives of the Old Testament, and it has a natural story structure to it. It it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. It has characters. Those characters have a motivation. They eventually run into an obstacle. It builds to a climax, and then ultimately there's a conclusion. Those are sort of the basic elements of story, and if the passage that we're looking at, the story that we're looking at, has all of those elements, it offers us a structure to then walk through the passage maybe bit by bit by bit. And certainly we can stop and and comment along the way or offer illustrations that connect today's world to the biblical world, but perhaps the passage itself can offer a structure for your sermon. And then, of course, one of the things you're going to want to look at to make sure that your sermon stays focused on the points you want to make is to ask what parts of the story can be cut in order to keep it focused. You may read the full story before your sermon, uh, but as far as explaining it within the sermon, in order to keep it moving and in order to keep it focused, what parts of the story can you cut but still keep the narrative structure? The the second source for a narrative arc might be a larger frame, a story or an illustration from your life or a bigger concept, something that you introduce in the beginning, uh, then you touch on again somewhere in the middle, and then you hammer home at the end. Uh, This is something that the comedian Mike Birbiglia does really well in his comedy specials. He has one called My Girlfriend's Boyfriend. It's on Netflix. Now, it is not uh, safe for the little ears in the family, but he's one of the cleaner comedians out there. And he has this whole show based around the concept of always needing to be right. Now, he's telling stories and jokes throughout, but there is a theme uh, that is building through the show that is offering a narrative arc for him. And so uh, one of the tricks that he does is he really is telling one overarching story. Uh, He starts by talking about getting in a car accident and how that has uh, changed his life. Well, he dips in and out of that story. He goes forward and backward in time. It really is a masterclass in structure of a long-form spoken word thing. But there is one story that's guiding along the way, uh, even if we dip in and out of the story. Uh, The third source for a narrative arc might be the listener's experience. You might actually be guiding people through the narrative arc uh, that they should be going on as they're listening to your sermon. And so we want to make sure that we have all of the elements of story in the listener experience as they're listening to your sermon. So they obviously are the characters, but can you create a motivation for them? Can you ask them a question? or can you challenge them? Can you create some kind of desire in their mind or some sort of question in their mind that they want to have answered by the end of your sermon? And then along the way, we're going to introduce obstacles, uh, things that listeners can imagine or identify with or wrestle with. So you may be challenging people, is your faith as solid as you think it is? And then along the way, we introduce these challenges to that. Well, if your faith is really solid, then have you ever had doubts? Have you ever had questions? Or what happens when someone gets sick? Or what happens when there's a tragedy? Or what happens when there's a natural disaster? We kind of throw obstacles in the way that people can wrestle with in the middle. And then obviously, we're going to want to point to Jesus and to the Gospels as the climax of that story. And then especially if you're relying on the listener's experience 
during the sermon as the narrative arc, I think it's really important to have a call to action. Even if that call to action is let's pray about or reflect on this specific question or this specific topic, or maybe go out and do this this week. If we're trusting the listener experience to be the narrative arc, then certainly we want to give them something to do at the end, sort of a conclusion, a go forth and do, go and apply. So that's the narrative arc. The second arc is the emotional arc. What is the emotional journey you are taking people on as they listen to your sermon? And perhaps the first thing to remember is that the emotional arc oftentimes begins before the sermon does, because your sermon is part of a larger event. It's part of a worship service, or it's part of a retreat, or it's part of a youth rally. There is a mood in the room that has been set by the worship elements or the events leading up to your sermon. And so you need to make sure that where you're starting connects with where the people are and where they're coming from. Uh, You might want to give them a jolt right at the beginning, but if you are, make sure that that's on purpose and not just because you were unaware of what the mood in the room would be. And now certainly if you live stream or podcast your sermons, uh, you might need to find a way to bring people up to speed if the beginning of your sermon doesn't make a whole lot of sense without the other worship elements. Uh, That's uh, sort of tangential to the This podcast, we're not going to go into that, but it's certainly something to keep in mind. Next, we need to remember that arcs go somewhere. They have movement. They have curves. They connect two points. They take us from one place to another. And so perhaps the most important decision we need to make is where we're going to end. Where emotionally do we want people to be at the conclusion of our sermon? Is it going to be quiet and reflective? Is it going to be challenging and maybe a place for an altar call? Or is it going to be loud and celebratory and and celebrating the victory in, that we have in Christ. Where are we going to end? We want to make sure that we are heading someplace and not just ending up someplace. We need to be intentional about where we want to go. The second most important decision is where we want to start. How are we going to contrast the beginning and the end? Or how are they going to work together? How are we going to make sure that the beginning and the end are distinctly different experiences? Or do we want them to be similar experiences? Do we want to set up a tone in the beginning that we then bring back at the end. Uh, We want to make the beginning and the end places of focus. And then, of course, we need to do the hard work of figuring out how to get from here to there. If they're tonally different, how do we get from quiet to loud? Or how do we get from loud to quiet? How do we get from outgoing and celebratory to maybe more inward and reflective? Or if we're going to have two similar emotions, we're going to start in a place of of questioning uh, and mystery, but we want to end in a place of questioning and mystery, but it's a different kind of questioning and mystery. Instead of questioning the doubts and challenges of life, we're we're reflecting on the mystery and power of God. How are we going to make those two different experiences? How is the journey in between going to connect them, but also make them two distinct points? So we have to do the hard work of figuring out how to get from here to there. And then lastly, of course, when we're talking about emotion, we have to beware of manipulation. Uh, Perhaps the best way to guard against manipulating your audience is to describe your intentions and describe them out loud. Look yourself in the eye in the mirror and say, this is the emotional journey I want to take people on and this is why I want to do it. And if your intentions seem pure, if your intentions seem right, if your intentions seem like they're going to help people come to know, love, and trust Jesus more, then maybe that's an emotional journey you need to take them on. But if your thought is, I'm going to get them to cry and that's going to make them have this experience and they're just going to love me more or love the church more. Like if the intention 
suddenly seem a little less gospel and, and church and Christ focused and more focused on you or your ego or the experiences that you've had previously preaching that you're just trying to have again because it felt good. Maybe that's a, a time where it goes from intentional work into manipulation. And of course, if you're concerned, bounce it off somebody else. Describe to someone else the arc you want to take the congregation on. Tell them your intentions and see how they feel about it. And perhaps one of the ways we might end up unintentionally manipulating people emotionally is if we sort of give emotional whiplash. If we do a quick change or a surprise, we suddenly drop some emotional bomb on people that we haven't been building to. This is a very quick change. If we're going to do that, again, we need to make sure that our intentions are pure. Like, why are we doing this? What are we trying to accomplish with this? But then secondly, you want to make sure that if you're going to do it, if you have the right intention, make sure that it's going to work. Because if you drop an emotional bomb on people, they might not be sure where it came from, or they may be questioning like what happened, or or they may be distracted by this sudden weight that wasn't there, this whiplash, and they may not be able to listen to you or really gather what you're trying to do with that or, or lead people into the whole rest of the sermon. So if you're going to use a quick change, make sure it works, use it sparingly, and, and check your intentions. And then lastly is we want to remember the scriptural constants of love, hope, and joy. Now, I might have made it sound a little rosy back in the narrative arc that we always want to point to Jesus and the gospel as the climax. Of course, that is the point of worship, but that doesn't mean that your sermon has to end with, and thus your life will be perfect from here on out. Praise Jesus. Amen. It doesn't mean that we need to be Pollyanna. It doesn't mean we always need to end on an up note. But the point of church, the point of sermons, the point of scripture is to point to Jesus, point to the gospel, and reinforce these universal constants of love, hope, and joy. These things that can endure even through questions, even through doubts, even through challenges, even through the hardest parts of life. We don't need to disregard the hard parts of life. We don't need to wrap them up in a bow. That's actually really inauthentic. That's the kind of preaching that none of us want to do and certainly none of us want to sit under. But we need to always remember the scriptural constants of love, hope, and joy. If we are going to maybe more a reflective place or a place of mystery or even confusion towards the end of our sermons, we don't want to leave people in confusion or darkness or despair. Maybe unless it's Good Friday and you know that you're then going to be able to bring that hope back on Easter. There are very few services throughout the year where we should be leaving people completely in that. Let's remember those constants of Jesus, the gospel, love, hope, and joy. The third and final arc is the rhythmic arc, and this is the one most determined by our delivery. The narrative arc is really all about content and structure. The emotional arc is about the interplay of the content and structure with your delivery and the movement of the Holy Spirit. But this rhythmic arc, this is the thing that's really controlled by how you speak, and it's an area for lots and lots of creativity and variety. My first suggestion is to think about your sermon like a piece of music. Music is interesting when it varies too tone and pacing and volume, when it builds and when it has contrast, when you have a loud section and a soft section, a fast section and a slow section. One of my favorite songs right now is a song called Running Out of Time by Amos Lee. And I love the third verse of the song because it's got this great horn section in the background that just really 
pushes the 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 funk nature of this verse over the top. And I, you know, as a listener, I wish that those horns were in all of the verses, but that's what makes the third verse unique and so impactful and makes me love it so much is they hold things back and they add things in as the song goes along. And we want to be doing sort of the same thing in our delivery. Uh, one of the best ways to start to listen to how uh, we can do this is listen to other people who do it well. Listen to public speakers, listen to other preachers, listen to narrators of audiobooks, listen to comedians. How do they vary their tone and pitch? How do they vary their pacing? How do they vary their volume? How do they sort of play their instrument? And you might be able to develop your own, I put them in air quotes, instruments. Is there a voice uh, that means something specific? Is there a combination of pace and tone and volume that, that tells people, this is the point I really want you to hear? Or this is something that I really want you to reflect on. Um, perhaps a really literal example is the comedian Jim Gaffigan. Uh, one of his things that he's known for is he vocalizes what the audience is thinking. And so he does his routine, but throughout the night he makes these little side comments that's like, I know that this is what you and the audience are thinking. Or here's a funny thing that, that you would say if you were as funny as me. And that's obviously a literal example because you're not necessarily going to be vocalizing two different voices, but it it is a way for the audience to know, hey, this is something separate. This is something special. So think about your sermon like a piece of music and think about the different instruments that you can use. Now, we talked about quick shifts and sort of whiplashes in emotion and how that's maybe not quite as effective or not something that we want to employ all the time as far as the emotional arc. But quick shifts in rhythm are much less of a whiplash and, and they can actually really help build an emotional arc. Maybe you're speaking speaking slowly and softly, and then suddenly uh, you kick into high gear and you're getting loud and you speak quicker. it's a way to build and release tension. Or maybe you're building, you're building, you're talking louder, you're talking faster, and then suddenly you speak a little softer and a little slower to show that you've realized something important. And this this shift in dynamics, the shift in the pace and the shift in the volume is a little bit of a whiplash, but it's not an emotional whiplash because you're taking people on a journey that you've been building to, but it's a way to sort of drive home the point without having to drop a bomb on people. And lastly, extremes in rhythm should be used sparingly. Shouting the whole time is tiring to listen to. Being quiet the whole time can oftentimes be kind of boring over the course of a long sermon. We want to keep it interesting by varying the tone and the volume and the pacing, but you might also be able to keep it interesting by creating interesting pairings. We often think of soft and slow But what if you did soft and quick? What if that was a way of showing that you were really focusing in on something important? Or we oftentimes think of loud and quick. We're we're building up emotion. But what if it was loud and slow? How does that create a different sense in the congregation? We want to use our extremes sparingly. We want to use them intelligently. And we also want to use them creatively. And one final thought for today, we've been talking about how to use these arcs within individual messages, but as the podcast producer who shared these three arcs talked about, he tries to keep these in mind, not just in individual episodes, but across a whole series, four to six to eight episodes. What is the narrative arc, the emotional arc, and the rhythmic arc for the whole show? And so we can apply these not just to individual sermons, but to sermon series as well. What is the narrative arc, the emotional arc, the rhythmic arc of 
of the the sermon series, and this might help turn your sermon series from feeling like disconnected lectures on a similar theme to an actual journey. And when our sermon series becomes journeys, it might encourage people to come to church more or to keep up through podcasts while they're gone because they know that each piece is integral and each piece is part of a journey. So maybe you're planning a sermon series and you've kind of got four topics and you know that one or two of them are going to be a little bit more loud and fun and lighthearted and two of them are going to be maybe a a bit more introspective, quiet, um, a a little more reflective. How are you going to structure those? You're going to go loud, loud, quiet, quiet, or are you going to intersperse them? Uh, We need to think about this. And then if you you want to think on an even bigger macro level, how do your sermon series work together? Are you taking people on a four to six month journey? Are you maybe looking at Christmas at the end of this year and you think, man, I can preach a sermon series in September, October, and November that actually prepares us to then have an even better Advent. These are some of the structural things we can play with if we are intentional and plan far enough ahead in time. And so I would love to hear from you. How do you think about the narrative? arc, the emotional arc, or the rhythmic arc? What do you do as you're writing your sermons, as you're planning your series? How do you make sure that you're taking people on a journey of intention and of meaning? And how? Uh, what things have you found to be helpful? And maybe what are some things that you've tried that you've completely fallen on your face? I would love to hear from you. You can reach out through artofthesermon.com or at artofthesermon on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I would love to hear from you. It's so great to be back. Thanks for being a subscriber to the program, hanging in there with me through the break, and I'll catch you next time on Art of the Sermon. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Art of the Sermon. You can find show notes, including links to some of the things that we talked about at artofthesermon.com. As always, I would love to hear what you think about the show, and I want your input to be a part of the conversation. So you can connect with me through Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, all at username Art of the Sermon. If you'd like to support the show, I would encourage you to subscribe to the podcast through iTunes, Google Play Music, or your favorite podcast app so that new episodes are downloaded as soon as they're live. And of course, in addition to sharing the show with your friends, the best way to help us out is to leave a review in the iTunes store. This lets iTunes know that you care about the show and want other people to find it. Thank you again so much for joining me, and I'll catch you next time on Art of the Sermon.